Hi, everyone. It's Henry DeVries from the Marketing with a Book podcast. Welcome, everyone. We have a special guest today and a certainly timely topic about uh, retreats and strategic retreats and what's behind that. So before we do, we would like to have our author roll call. If you could tell us what city you're in and uh, your name and what's the title of your book. So we'll start with uh, Chris and go to David and then Dr. Carey. Hello, everybody. This is Christopher Hodges. I'm in Denver, Colorado. The name of my book is Noble Automation Now, which if you're looking at the videos over my shoulder, that's the cover. It's, it's forthcoming in October. And the subtitle is to innovate, motivate, and transform your business with intelligent automation and beyond. Thanks. Thanks, Henry. Hi, I'm David Goldman, and I'm from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. And I wrote the book, uh, The Road to Happiness, How to Get What You Really Want. Thanks. Hi, guys. Dr. Carey, also coming to you from Denver, Colorado. I am thrilled to announce my book is coming out November, maybe, Henry. And... Uh, Self-help on the go, because you are not broken, but life gets tricky sometimes. Thanks, Dr. Carey. How about Joe and Mark and Mason? Thanks, Henry. Joe Palo here in St. Paul, Minnesota. Uh, the title of my book is How to Sell Nothing, The Logical Way to Make the Emotional Sale. And it should be due out in November as well. Right, Henry? That's correct, Joe. Hello, everyone. My name is Mark LeBlanc, and I'm in Minneapolis, and proud to share with you that uh, my next book uh, is Bringing in the Business, co-authored with Henry and uh, Mr. David Goldman. Thanks, Mark. Um, let's go with um, Mason. I think you had me up next. Hi, everybody. Mason Harris. I'm based in the Washington, D.C. area. My book, The Chutzpah Advantage, is out and uh, changing, changing lives from what I hear. So uh, based in Washington, D.C., and I uh, look forward to tonight's presentation. Thanks. And I'm Henry DeVries, author of 14 books. Uh, Marketing with a book is the one we're talking about tonight. And it's the secrets of how to attract high-paying clients by marketing with a book and a speech. And that's what these podcasts are about. We're going deeper dives into being an author who is a speaker, who shares their knowledge through podcasts and through publicity. And we have a special guest today, Scott Hamilton, longtime friend of Indie Books and even the work before that. Um, Scott is the president and CEO of the Executive Next Practices Institute and next work strategy. And Scott and I go, uh, as we said, way back on this, uh, some of the concepts that I tested out in marketing with a book, Scott was a beta tester for that. And we were putting on events and organizing speaking opportunities for other people. He still continues to be a good friend of the authors of indie books and um, has booked many of them for his meetings with the Executive Next Practices Institute. 
he's a, a keynoter. He's a, an advisor. He's a, a strategist. He's uh, really helps large companies like the Global 500, uh, all the way through mid-market companies. In his prior role as an internal corporate leader, he held key marketing, strategy, human resources, and organizational effectiveness roles for such companies as Nestle, uh, Bergen Brunswick, Honeywell, Aramark, Golden State Foods, and DirecTV. Uh, today, his team at Nextwork Strategy partners to provide executive and organizational programs around the strategic planning and execution, uh, also internal innovation methods, performance management improvement, and the pioneering use of collective intelligence alignment. Maybe he'll tell us about that. Uh, Hamilton is also a CEO of the Exec Nexus Practices Institute, which is the global enterprise innovation forum uh, that's based at the University of California, Irvine, Beale Applied Innovation. Uh, with that, he's going to speak to us today about solving the top five concerns and priorities of clients via a strategic reset. Uh, please welcome Scott Hamilton. Thanks very much, Henry. Uh, hello to everybody. Good to see all of you. And uh, for those of you listening in, uh, I'm going to put up a slideshow for those of you who have access to viewing it. And I'm going to speak to the slides as we go through this for those of you who are listening. So uh, hopefully we'll get everybody with the right message. Uh, Henry, I'll, if you'll give me a thumbs up if you're getting our slideshow here. Uh, as Henry mentioned, we're going to do a quick uh, around the world on this idea of solving the five top concerns of clients uh, here in these turbulent times via a strategic uh, reset. Uh, let's get right to it. What are the top five concerns of CEOs right now? Number one, they want to have a deep understanding of their markets and customers. Understand where their customers are going, where their markets are going. Secondly, uh, fear of missing out. You hear this a lot in the stock market. It's particularly true of CEOs who are wor worried about their value proposition suddenly disappearing in these fast-paced industry moves. And you see a lot of that overnight. I can give you a dozen of examples, but you've seen those uh, solid value proposition virtually uh, evaporate overnight in today's markets. Number three, the organizational capacity to adapt the capability to adapt to changing market circumstances, whether they're on the loading dock or they're in the C-suite, this ability to adapt and flex to, to the changing conditions. The big number four, technology that works, uh, technology that's integrated, that's adaptable, that's appropriate for their firm. Number five, they want leadership that has impact, that is, that is including people, that is trustworthy, that can make a decision. There's your big five. Now, if you go back to the movie Old Co um, No Country for Old Men, the famous scene, I've probably watched this 200 times. There's a nice clip in there where the sheriff uh, felt like he's overmatched for his environment. And that's what we're kind of all feeling right now. And yet it's not about us. It's about what's happening all over. So it is a time for a new plan. How do we strategically reset for these times when everything is changing at once. We've always had change, but not at this velocity. So here's our problem though, as we talk about a strategic reset for ourselves or our clients. Number one is most of us say we have a strategic plan. We have a business plan. We put it together last year. 
Um, we know how to do strategic planning. We've been doing it forever. The problem is less than 10% of those plans can be executed in today's environment, or they're not executed at all, or they sit on a shelf never, never to be touched or looked at again. That's the biggest issue we're facing right now, how to get a plan that actually works in today's markets. Often this strategic planning process, whether you, you've probably noticed this yourself or you're among your clients, it's the annual moving of the deck chairs on the Titanic, just moving a few things around and hoping it might work differently. Or it's something like this. And I love this quote by Mike Tyson. Everybody's got a plan right until you get punched in the mouth. So it hasn't been pressure tested, particularly in today's markets. That's a risk that you have. Here's the other issue we have in dealing with clients. They do not want a strategic plan. If you try to go out and sell or prescribe a strategic plan, they don't want it. Dentists don't advertise root canals. Uh, no one, everyone needs one from time to time, but they don't want it. So this is a particular issue where we've got to take it from um, something that is a need, but make it a want for that client. So that's a, those of you who do strategic selling, knowing this is the biggest shift that you'll have to make in this kind of field, getting that client to say, I've got to have this. So by the end of this presentation, hopefully you'll have some ammunition for that. Uh, Henry brought up the fact that uh, Executive Next Practice Institute now has been working with leaders of enterprise companies, middle, middle cap, large cap, even emerging companies now for over 15 years. We've seen over 85,000 of them in several hundred sessions. So this is what they've been telling us. In addition, um, we've been trying to get them outside of their box, outside their circle to look at new value propositions, new ways of doing things. And the biggest thing we've prescribed to them and to you is, your next innovation is not going to come from the field you're in. It's probably going to come from outside your industry, from a new fresh idea that you pick up from someone else that's outside your, your sphere of influence. Um, the information I'm also sharing today comes from our network strategy entity. And that's what we do all day is we help companies do these strategic resets, get them ready for today's markets, get them ready to execute appropriately in today's markets. Uh, by the way, we're really pleased that last week we were nominated to be an innovator of the year by the Orange County Business Journal. Here's some of the clients we work with. Again, you see a lot of mid caps in there like Printronics and Altura Telecommunications and some large caps like Golden State Foods, um, Nestle, Amerisource Bergen, Honeywell. So we work with both the, again, the smaller startup companies all the way up to the larger billion dollar companies. And that's where we're hearing some of this information we're getting now. So here's the prescription for getting your clients into a strategic reset. And I'm gonna put all this up at once here and, and talk it through for those coming through on an audio basis. First, we're gonna pre presume that you're still working in a virtual or at least a hybrid environment with your client. That is, you're having to deal with them via Zoom or some other instrument in a virtual environment. It's most critical at this point to getting this conversation with them early in terms of starting to plan the plan. That is, how are you gonna design it? What kind of diligence do you wanna do? Uh, what is the purpose of their company and how do you align people to that purpose? During the strategic session, our focus is gonna be on including as many people as we can in ideating new ideas, gaining broader perspectives, picking up new methods to strategize and understand the implications of new directions that come out of these conversations. In other words, when we have these strategic conversations, 
what are the impacts of these decisions that we're making? And then post-event, post-plan, how do we create this adaptable, executable plan that we'll take that we'll be able to take off the shelf and actually do something with? Um, there are four dimensions, four dimensions to creating a strategic reset. Um, and here they are. Number one, gain a strategic perspective. That is, look both short-term and then have big, bold, long-term outcomes in mind. And it starts with your customer needs. Secondly, consider the culture you have, what kind of culture you have, and fit the strategy to fit that culture and vice versa. That is, we're trying to create these cultures with a high tolerance for adaptability and risk-taking, greater speed and agility, a test and learn approach. Third element of a strategic uh, reset is organization. Can we design the organization so that our practices, processes, policies um, will align with where we're going? And can we support it with appropriate, appropriate analytics as well to tell us where we're going? In other words, can we measure our changes? And finally, the capabilities. In a strategic reset, we're gonna look at all of our capabilities. How customer-centric are we? How market-adaptable are we? And are we, in fact, making data-driven decisions? Um, that's gonna be particularly critical because if you're ideating the correct way, you're gonna have lots of decisions to make. How do you pick the best one for where you wanna go? Now, going further with this, um, let's just talk about the strategic reset formula. We call it the 21-24-30 formula. The 21-24-30 formula. What do we mean by that? We're gonna start by looking way out, 2030. And before you stop me and say, wait a minute, Scott, we can't even look at next Wednesday much as, as much as 2030. Why are you telling us to look that far out? One of the things we wanna do is start to at least strategically aim people to the what ifs way out there. What, what possibly could happen in our markets, in our industry, with our customers in the next 10 years or so? What would be some of the, some of the things that could come along? And then start to back into that. Ultimately, we're going to come up with this kind of rotating three-year plan that's continually adjusted quarter by quarter. But at some point, we have to say, all right, here's what we're going to stand for pretty much for the long term. Let's back into that and start to craft this three-year plan. In the three-year plan, we're going to look again at markets, customers, talent, operations, financial, and technology. For the purposes of this presentation, I can't get into all aspects of a strategic plan. So I'm just going to touch on a couple of tools and techniques here, particularly at the front end. But again, your, your overall strategic plan has to contain these core elements. Again, markets, talent, operations, financial, and technology at a minimum. Your role as a, an advisor, as an advisor to these clients is, um, is critical. You're going to help them maintain the focus, accountability, make sure they're including all voices, give them perspective, and most importantly for you as the advisor, give them a dose of reality. Give them a dose of cold water in the face from time to time when they seem to be going down a, a wrong track or they're just not making the kind of decisions you think they should be making. What I suggest you not be is a facilitator. That's going to go counter to everything you've ever heard. I'm suggesting you not be a facilitator of a meeting. They can go get anybody off the street to facilitate a meeting, anybody with any kind of meeting skills. 
Your role is to understand their business, their industry, their needs, their culture, their purpose, their vision, understand it so you're working with them, not apart from them, if that makes sense. The CEO has to feel comfortable enough where they are sitting on the sidelines as a part of that team, as opposed to having to step in for you from time to time to run the meeting. That's a critical part. It's a trap we've fallen into in the past in thinking of ourselves as facilitators versus a true baked-in advisor to these companies. It's a big leap, but it's one of the ones you have to take if you're gonna maintain a long-term relationship with the client. Um, the starting point, as I mentioned, is helping them gain strategic perspectives outside their business. That is, at the front center of this slide that I'm showing is the business plan. Outside the business plan are the key external factors, the uh, market trends, uh, the overall market itself from a customer perspective, the economy, and industry trends. All those external factors, how are they impacting the core business model? You can help them in terms of setting the stage then for ideating their future in this way. And I'm going to throw up uh, four or five things here, and I'm going to read them for our audio audience here. And that is, we're going to do something called past casting, or we're going to do cont and contingency planning. We may do some forecasting to look at the predictions of where they're going. We may do some traditional scenario planning. What are the plausible alternative futures? What kind of trend analysis do we want to do in terms of outcomes from visible patterns? And horizon scanning, that is, look for possible weak signals of change. I'm going to take the first one I mentioned um, in the interest of time, past casting. This is an interesting uh, concept. You could take your client into a room and say, all right, let's look in the future three years from now. Let's assume our strategy was effective. Now let's back into that in a pre-mortem and say, what did we do right? What decisions did we make around talent, markets, technology, operations that were right that got us to that point? So you're actually starting to identify the implications of your decisions early for a successful outcome. So that's past casting. Um, again, that's coupled with any number of these other tools that you have at your disposal. Here's another technique we use with clients at the very beginning, and it's a blue ocean or new ocean development of where you want to go next. And it touches on four key areas, what you eliminate, what you create, what you target, and what your culture looks like. So let's look at this. Again, I'm reading some of this for those that are listening in. The next practices ideation exercise is this. Number one. You're asking yourself and, and the client's team, what practices, processes, or services can we potentially stop doing? Just flat stop doing to free up time, cost, and resources. Things we've done forever, we don't remember why we're doing them, but we're doing them, just stop doing them. Secondly, what can we create that will add value to the customer, add value to what we're doing, raise overall satisfaction and effectiveness? What services, practices, and processes can we create? Third question, what do we target? What actions do we target that are strategic business initiatives that will better align our performance with our overall strategic goals? And how do we align the rest of the organization to those targeted actions? Fourth question, culture. How can we establish, mold, shape, adapt our culture so that we're meeting the needs of our customers and our strategic plan, our stated goal. 
In other words, also, how do we build internal and external alliances as part of that to help us achieve the results? So again, we're building this culture of adaptability or are we creating more walls and processes that get in the way of true speed and velocity? Um, in the old days of March, 2020, when we did these strategic retreats, we used to be in a room where we'd have people do these ideas against those four questions, create, eliminate, uh, culture and targeting, we'd get them uh, up against the board and start to, to brainstorm these with the stickies and sticky notes. That's no longer possible. So now we're using this in a virtual way. We use a tool called, there are a lot of tools out there, by the way, I'm just giving one as an example. One's called Miro. And on Miro online, you can have the entire client team doing the same kind of brainstorming with literal stickies that go that show up on your virtual brainstorming board. So that you can simultaneously look at all the ideas of the entire team, not just the CEOs or the CFOs, look at all the ideas and start to reach a conclusion. Those of you who are watching and can see this slide, you're saying this is a German, I don't understand it. This actually was a German client we were working with last month. But the technique is the same. Globally, on a global basis, in this case, we're able to tap into the entire team to come up with new ideas and new directions for the company. All right, moving forward. Uh, in terms of, let's assume you've started to, to map out this strategic reset. You've looked at things like markets, financial, talent, couple, culture, operations, and technology. You've been able to plan that out. Now, how do you disseminate this to your stakeholders? Stakeholders meaning customers, employees, alliance partners, vendors, et cetera. The technique we've been using for a few years now, and it particularly works well in times of COVID, is what we call an immerse map. An immerse map is where you visualize your entire business model on one piece of paper. If your strategy is effective, you can get it down to one visual or one piece of paper. If Henry has seen us do this dozens of times with different clients, being able to display the entire business model, entire value proposition in one place, from the vision to how we're gonna execute. Here's an example of it. Here's Mimi's Cafe, <clears throat> 360 locations, 6,000 employees. There is their entire business strategy on one piece of paper. The strategy is faster speed of service to the customer and making sure they have a strong intent to return by that restaurant guest. You see on this visual, uh, I'll describe it for people listening in, it's a visual of the inside of a restaurant with uh, time clocks, stopwatches at each point of the customer service chain from time of entering the restaurant to time of receiving the check and checking out. Every step is timed at each time there's a signature behavior that's attached to it, signature experience that the customer gets. That's what was relayed to all 4,000 employees of Mimi's Cafe. If you go into Mimi's now, you used to experience a 54 minute experience. Now that's time down to 34 minutes. They wanted a faster turn among their guests because most of their guests are business customers who wanted that faster turnaround. So again, if you can visualize your strategy, get it into one place, one simple technique or tool to communicate, that's a win. All right, the last thing is, we're trying to also help our customers, our clients always be learning. I've got a visual here of Larry McGross, the, the famous film with Alec Baldwin, 
talks about always be closing A, B, C, except the difference here is it's always be learning A, B, L. That is, as an organization, how can we implant with the client across the entire client population this adaptability to change, have the freedom to change, the freedom to take risk, the freedom to come up with new ideas? That is going to be essential. Did we lose Scott? <laughs> I was wondering if it was me. Uh, it might have been right. bandwidth there. So I'll I'll uh, jump in here. Um, so uh, people like Chris Hodges, no stranger to this uh, in dealing with the large organization and having to get complex ideas through. Um, a lot of us, if we're dealing with a smaller organization, I'm just saying, what are the principles here that you could take with you? And one is, in, instead of calling it strategic planning, call it a strategic reset. Um, I love that. When I, when I was in college, I made a vow that I would never drive a station wagon or join the PTA. And 15 years later, I'm driving a Toyota Previa minivan, and I'm attending a meeting of the uh, Parent-Teacher Alliance. And I'm going like, wait a minute. <laughs> they just repackaged it. But it was, uh, they, were, they were the same truths, just repackaged for people. So sometimes uh, leading retreats is about that. Um, I know Mark and I, and uh, David and I, and we're really looking to our business model to be leading uh, these strategic resets for people in who are trusted advisors, financial advisors, attorneys, uh, marketing firms. Um, it's, it's a time where, to Scott's point, they're gonna say, oh, we have a strategic plan and we know how to facilitate a strategic meeting. Uh, what is the extra you can bring? So Mason, I think about you and chutzpah and uh, with what you do for salespeople and all this, and maybe it, uh, there's a chutzpah reset there. Scott, I see that we've got you back. Thanks for coming back. Um, yeah, I'm glad I could join you. Thanks to, uh, it looks like we had a rolling blackout here at UCI, so I'm back with you. Okay. Um, well, um, I'll go to mute and turn it back to you to let you uh, wrap up what you were saying. Well, I just think, I, I'll leave it at this. Uh, I think one of the key things is, uh, without going back into slideshow, but the three points is in terms of working with your clients now, um, what can you do to establish their outcomes, get some clear outcomes now within the next, next 90 days. In other words, try to get them to commit to something they can sit down and plan out within the next 90 days. And then secondly, um, who are they gonna involve in that meeting? Um, you can't involve everybody, but certainly the core team and perhaps certain segments of their population they want to get involved with this virtual or hybrid strategy planning event. The third point goes back to this whole thing about making it a want versus a need, and that is, what is their cost of not doing anything? If they don't do a strategic reset, 
uh, are they likely to be run over by these markets? Again, the, the number of threats right now are multiplied in this kind of marketplace. So again, your, your audience, uh, uh, many of them already experts in strategic planning. This is an ideal time, fall planning season, to go back at them and saying, um, what do we need to get on the calendar now? And so everyone knows the two big days of renewal for American business is the day after Labor Day and uh, that first Monday when we get back in January. The, the day after Labor Day and the season we're in is when people are trying to figure out, are they going to hit their numbers for the fourth quarter and what are they going to do to start? Now, um, I, I could turn the talking stick over to Mark that all of us, we don't want you be, to be getting ready to get ready. We want you to be attacking the fall. So this is a high time to get a lot of stuff done and set people up. Um, Scott, something I was interested in what you said, and if I could get you to spend a little more time on it, is needs versus wants. And I recently did a Forbes column on, it's a lot easier if you sell a want. If you sell a need, there's some more work that needs to be done. It's not game over because plenty of dentists have to sell to needs and you brought that up. So what's your view on the creating this as a want? You said to help them see this as something they want to do. Well, you know, you've got a lot of uh, great examples that occur every day in the media of companies that are falling by the wayside. They're getting run over by the marketplace. Uh, you've got any number of Netflix examples where they've blown out Blockbuster or going back to the Sears model for a few years ago, or just looking at what's happening in the streaming services and other markets right now. Uh, the risk is high for all businesses. I don't care if you're an incumbent that's been around for forever. Um, your model's at risk. Um, Jeff Bezos is famous for saying, look at what's not changing and go after that business, uh, go after their markets. Um, so you've got a lot of clients that are perhaps in that situation. They intuitively know it, um, but they're reluctant to share their strategy with you. Again, uh, strategy, Henry, as you know, is a very, very personal thing. This is like going to your doctor, using that example. Um, they're uh, sharing things that they would not normally share to the public, and you're often under an NDA anyway, working with them. So the idea here is to, first of all, you've got to be trustworthy enough, and Henry's always got a great phrase, you've got to do good work. You've got to do good work. So they've got to know at the end, the outcome is going to be not only a great plan, but that you've taken them through a process um, with a, to give them enough comfort to know they've got the right end result. So again, uh, shifting it to a want, again, they're at high risk right now. They're at risk. They're, most are in a situation like, um, uh, again, fear of missing out, this, this FOMO feeling. So you've got this opening right now, and it's particularly acute right now, as we talked about in the fall season, going into 2022. Okay. Uh, help us out with a little more on moderator versus facilitator, why it's important to have an advisor leading the discussion. Here's the biggest mistake we see, and we, we had a, a session workshop on this two weeks ago. And we had a lot of facilitators show up and say, I'm certified to be a facilitator. I can run a meeting. I've got all these fancy tools and I know how to brainstorm and all that. That is not what CEOs want. Uh, we have never seen in all the years we've done strategy, never once have we had, had a CEO ask us, 
uh, or you got certified or what kind of tools or methods do you use to brainstorm? Tell me about that. What they're looking for is, again, someone that understands their business, understands their industry, understands their pains and concerns, and knows from front to end where you want to take them at the beginning in terms of uh, scoping out the landscape to where they can give them a plan that they can execute to. They also don't want, um, with no offense to McKinsey, they don't want a McKinsey plan that comes in a nice blue book that sits on a shelf forever. They've seen too much of that. They spent too much money on those kind of plans. So again, it's this idea of coming across as a true partner versus just this standoff, here's somebody that can run a meeting. And it, that's also, you're up against that kind of competition because there are literally people say, well, I can, I can do strategy, but it's not real strategy. Does that make sense? It does. For McKinsey, uh, strategy is a, um, and there's the proverb about uh, the camel and the tent and um, the man who lets the camel get his nose under the tent will wake up with fleas. In other words, you're going to wake up sleeping with a camel. Um, it's an entry easy thing for you to get involved with, with the client. So McKinsey will do this kind of strategy, hoping to do a six-figure consulting assignment. And uh, I, I have been in corporate and worked with uh, McKinsey. Um, if in your world though, Scott, is there some easy thing that you do or assessment or something to um, get them started? Uh, maybe something that's like in the thousand to 5,000 range that they're more comfortable testing you out. Yeah, and uh, by the way, Suzanne, if we haven't announced it, uh, we will uh, send everybody a free copy of our, uh, our article on how to set up these strategic resets. And uh, they're complimentary to everyone. And also everyone on the call today, we have given you complimentary access to our session on Thursday with Sustain OC on how corporations are looking at ESG environmental, social, and governmental uh, approaches to strategy. That's Thursday. Um, again, that's again complimentary to this team. So Suzanne, we'll make sure to give you that code to send out. Um, so the, um, Henry, going back to your kind of uh, getting the feet wet question. Yes, we offer that type of thing. We'll normally come in and offer clients uh, what we call, you know, like this half day assessment where we're sitting down with the CEO, CFO, some of the key members of the leadership team and saying, all right, what are some of the pain points you're, um, you're encountering now? We don't ask them to open the book, so to speak. We're just getting them to kind of share in a broad brush. What are the pain points that you're having now? What are the issues that are coming up? And then coming back from that with some initial prescriptions for them. Nine times out of 10, the CEO will say, you know what? I recognize the fact our leadership team needs to step back and be a participant versus driving the actual strategy process. As a participant, they're able to see clearer, see broader perspectives, and not have as much of an ownership in necessarily individual ideas. This is, by the way, that's where strategy sessions can get way off track. If you have one individual or two individuals that already have a precept notion about where the company needs to go, that's that's the thing we're trying to avoid there is go into it with an open perspective about what the opportunities are. Yeah. So Mark mentioned that uh, David, Mark and I are writing a book about the client enrollment process and data we have on this. I got to listen into a master at this and 
the man had interviewed, the CEO had interviewed eight different consultants. This was the eighth consultant. And I got to listen to the one hour recording of their meaningful conversation call that they were having. And it got to the point where the CEO says, well, how much does this cost, the range? And the person said, well, typically we charge 15,000 for this, but I don't see that for you. Because it doesn't make sense that you would agree to that right now. I think doing a $1,500 assessment, a 360 interview with several key executives and lay out some recommendations based on that would make much more sense. And the CEO said, at last, I have found you. Um, this makes total sense. That's what I want to do. Um, and he was just ready to give a credit card right there. There was no agreements that needed to be passed back and forth. Um, at that level, he made a decision. And then, sure enough, when they established trust and proved that they were the right advisor, he did go for the larger package. So that's just something I wanted to, to bring up with people that um, you don't have to think about the, the first date is your big proposal, your big plan. Um, it's a lot of my big programs have started with a thousand dollar engagement that they just wanted um, some proof. It's like dating. We always used to say uh, crazy comes out in the first 90 days. So the same thing with consulting. They, they can see if uh, bad things are going to happen, they can tell in the first 30 to 60 days. Um, well, well that's uh, one other point to that, Henry. That, that this that's a that's a critical point. That's a great way to come at this too, particularly if you can get to a point where you say, "Look, we'll come in and do this kind of interview process with your leadership team," um, uh, and that allows the CEO to get some perspectives, some anonymous and confidential perspectives on his his or her organization. But here's the thing: you should also know, and you just alluded to this in these kind of sessions, the strategy sessions. There's often no budget. Uh, the CEO, um, it's not completely unlimited, but they've got a lot of leeway. Uh, these are highly discretionary numbers, particularly in private companies, not so much public companies, but in private companies or owned by private equity or venture, venture companies. They've got a quite large budget there that they're willing to spend to get the right strategy. So that's, that's available to you again, but to your point, if you can prove yourself out in these initial steps, it just makes it that much easier. Uh, we're on our, now our sixth year with a $5 billion company that started with one of those $1,000 projects. Um, so it's, again, it's just kind of getting your, getting your step and getting your foot in the door there, proving yourself out and then moving on from there. Very good. You met, brought up the CEO. Let's talk about the CEO. So what's the CEO's role in this strategic reset? Yeah, great question. Uh, the CEO always is a participant, not a leader. Um, the biggest downfall of strategic planning sessions is when the CEO sits at the head of the table and during a planning session and everyone's, anytime a question comes up, they're all looking at the, the CEO to say if he or she is nodding their head at a particular direction. The, the most effective way is to have the CEO sit at the table or even behind the table away from the table as these kind of conversations transpire as an equal participant, not leading discussion. Again, this is where your role as a strategic advisor comes in to be so critical, to position yourself that way. If you don't have the gravitas or expertise or trust level, and you're just seen as, again, this facilitator, 
you're going to quickly lose control of that conversation. You want to be able to have enough expertise where you can lead the conversation along, make sure everyone's included, and be listening, be looking for those that are not contributing because they often have the best ideas and know how to point them out and engage them. In a Zoom environment like this, we're always scanning the audience who hasn't participated, who's not chiming in, who haven't chatted in a while, who hasn't raised a question. Uh, and so that's that's a critical piece to it. But the CEO's role is there as uh, the visionary, the one that gives a sense of purpose that often kicks off the meeting with something inspiring, hopefully, for the rest of the team to follow, but then steps back and becomes a participant. That's where we've seen it most successful. Okay. So a question um, has come up in the chat. For those information graphics, like with the um, memes, do you have a graphic illustrator you work with to do that? Or how do you get those drawn up? Well, we've, this is an expertise we have. We have a team of uh, graphic artists and there are graphic artists plus. We train them over a period of two years to do graphic arts from a business perspective. Big difference than a traditional graphic artist. They too have to understand the industry and then know what kind of graphics that fit that industry. So you saw the Mimi's Cafe was an exact architectural depiction of the internal internals of a Mimi's Cafe right down to the roof, roof line, the tables, what the servers were wearing, everything. The graphics artists understood that and worked with us on the flow. So, you know, we have, we're fortunate enough to have, we've been doing this a lot. We've got internal folks that do this, but uh, that's something we can also work with others to coach them how to do and how to apply it to a client. Again, it's worked very effectively from these smaller organizations that are just starting up that want to showcase their business value proposition to venture capitalists, all the way up to the larger players who are trying to reach a global audience. Scott, and no is a fine answer, but are you open to teaming with some of our authors who have access into these corporations to uh, perhaps do a joint strategy session? Or absolutely. Okay. Well, absolutely. there's two things for your authors. Number one, on the public side, and many of your authors have taken advantage of this. We have a forum where we can put them up in front of our executive leaders in these uh, public forums. And we love authors because particularly works that aren't published yet. The audience loves to get a sneak peek of what's coming. That's what we're all about, next practices. So that's an offer to you on the public side. On the private side, with this next work strategy and doing these strategy sessions, um, you'll see that we're an open platform and that we partner with a number of people. So we're, we're always happy to plug and play with uh, other consultants to take a lead role, to play, to play a, a backup role. Uh, it depends on the client. It's always driven by the client engagement. Otherwise, you're trying to drive yourself crazy if you try to set a template. But you always let the client engagement set the tone for who does what in terms of setting up these uh, strategic planning sessions. To answer your question, short answer then, Henry, yes, we, we partner with lots of folks. Um, so let's do the crystal ball, uh, do some gazing here. What trends are you seeing ahead for 2022 um, that's different than what we've been through in the last two years? Well, th this one is very unique in that uh, the pace of change is faster than ever has been. 
the amount of change in the number of directions that's coming at us is uh, more than we've ever seen in the past. As I mentioned, though, uh, many of the CEOs are looking closer at things that have more of a public awareness to them. And I mentioned ESG, environmental, social, and governmental. They're really putting a focus on how socially responsible are they being? Is there, how socially responsible is their organization being to the environment, uh, to the climate? That's certainly a big focus right now. Uh, diversity and inclusion, uh, that's, that's a no brainer. That has been a front uh, burner item for many of our uh, executive leadership now for quite a while. As you know, we've done a number of DEI summits in the past year to focus on those topics. So that is a, a real focus. How do you include everyone? How do you remove structures and processes and practices that prevent others from being included or prevent, prevent being elevated within the organization? That's a big one. Um, the, the third bucket is this, I keep mentioning adaptability. Adaptability is a capability that's a skill. It's a skill set that is multidimensional. It's uh, your ability to change, recognize change, um, do it the right way, um, know the sources that you need to change to, and then a plan to move forward with it. So adaptability for, for many organizations has been, uh, used to be called change ready, readiness or change management. It's beyond that. Uh, it's much more um, tied in with this whole skill set that CEOs are trying to build in across every level of their organization. And they can, part of this, sorry for rambling on, but a lot of CEOs are saying, I've got to remove as many layers again between uh, leadership and the people that do the work as much as I can, I've got to push decision-making down even further, as far as I possibly can, even though we've pushed it uh, in the past, we've got to look even more at how we put decisions in the hands of everyone across the organization. That's a tough thing to do. It's tough to let go of control, but it's, it's being demanded. The other piece to this, and this is the final real priority, is talent. Um, uh, CEOs are very concerned about losing their A talent. Um, they're they're um, doing everything they can to make sure they're retaining their players on the team. Because um, right now it is, as you know, it's, it's a wild, wild west in the talent perspective. I mentioned even graphics artists. Um, they, that's a field that is very, very high demand. You wouldn't expect it, but um, they are commanding a price premium now 100%, 100% above what they were being paid last, this time last year, that field alone. So it's, uh, again, this idea of how do we cater to our talent? How do we make sure we're providing the best possible environment? Um, we're, uh, we're tracking how people are coming back to the office, by the way, and it's, it's uh, all across the map. For example, in terms of trying to retain people, some companies went to a three, two or two, three, uh, two in, three off, three in, two off, et cetera. They're getting resistance there. Uh, we had some clients this past week that uh, went back to a one day in, four days off uh, environment. Uh, they just pushed themselves and they had to do it. We had another client that was bringing back people back in in December. They pushed it to, the, to April of next year. Part of that was COVID. Most of it, though, was about retaining their talent. So a uh, lot of stories about that. That could be a whole different uh, whole different show, but uh, that's those are really the big four we've been seeing. I, I'm gonna thank you and, and thank you with a statement. So um, if 
you want to attract C-level executives as clients, you need to get involved with the Next Practices Institute. It's, and I'll be on, I'll get on the soapbox instead of Scott. It's not to go networking. It's not about a networking organization. This about is really listening, um, hearing what's on the minds. One of the things about um, EMP is that it's interaction. Um, executives don't want to be talked at. Um, they want to collaborate and they have, it's the wisdom of the team. So I really recommend getting involved. And now if you don't live in Southern California, you do have the opportunity. There are virtual ways to get involved. So with that, I'll thank Scott. Thank you so much. And thank you for the uh, many uh, years of support uh, for my work and what we do here. Uh, I truly appreciate you and value you. Thank you very much. Thanks for all you do, Henry. Great working with you over the years. Look forward to many more. Okay. Well, thanks everybody. That's uh, this week's episode of Marketing with a Book, the podcast. So talk to you next week. Bye everybody.